Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Chats with Brent Martineau. Welcome back to the stadium, TIAA Bank Field, for an unexpected visit. Here's some, some Monday night football in Jacksonville, a practice style. And uh, this was a late change in the forecast and itinerary for the Jags and break up the monotony of camp. And, heck, never a bad thing to be inside the stadium. So the Jags will practice tonight. It won't be open to the public. Uh, there might be a few folks like sponsorship here or, and some uh, employees and things like that. But uh, definitely not, uh, hey, let's see if we can. 15, 20,000 people in here tonight. Uh, that didn't happen this year because I think mainly the Hall of Fame game. They, they added that game, so that would normally be where you'd get that nighttime scrimmage. So this is really a nighttime practice. This is not a scrimmage. This will be a physical practice. That's what's on the calendar uh, for the Jaguars, much like that last Sunday practice at Episcopal after the uh, Hall of Fame game. So that's kind of frame of uh, time that we're in in the Doug Peterson ramping up schedule as they get ready to play on the Steelers on Saturday night. But it got me thinking, this might be the first evening practice the Jaguars have had since, like, the Jack Del Rio era. And he did, like, a whole camp full of evening practices. The Jags will have tomorrow off, so this makes sense for Doug Peterson from a recovery standpoint. But anyway, we get a little bit under the lights, or you don't need a lot of lights to... The daylight should help us through most of it, but about a 6.30 practice time will take you right up to that uh, here on a Monday. Brent Martineau here at the stadium, sweating, back in the nice, comfortable studios. Oh, yeah. It's Aaron Schachter. What up? It's Casey Kurtz coming off a nice weekend. Are we on a feel-good Monday around here or what? We get to talk about some good things regarding the Jacksonville Jaguars. I am. <laughs> I'm feeling good today. Oh, where's the Casey meter? You got to talk to this man. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to speak on his behalf. I don't know. Casey and I had a conversation. He didn't seem like that bad. I was probably more angry at the time than he was. Oh, it's true. Um, I don't know about angry, but... Uh, sounded was, pretty angry. I was more disgruntled. You were, I tried you to, were kind of disgruntled. I, I tried to match Casey's disgruntledness. <laughs> you tried to give it like, right back at him. Yeah, you tried to be as gruntled as Casey. <laughs> as gruntled. I got it. Right. <laughs> Why don't we say gruntled instead of disgruntled? I That's like a good that. question. <laughs> uh, anyway... Uh, you guys have a nice weekend? I thought it was great, man. I had a great time. No birthday parties this weekend. I wasn't forced to go to the pool or the beach. It was just straight up living in air conditioning for two and a half straight days. It was fantastic. That a baby. Yeah, that a baby. Man. Casey, you, where's the Casey meter all weekend? All good. Amanda? Amanda, you got you got the cheap seats Friday night. Ooh. The, the Martinos met Amanda. <laughs> Brent still has not. Oh, wow. Okay. He's keeping her from Brent. <laughs> Now I understand. Not, not it at all. Brent was doing no, sideline. No, I think but, it um, is. Brent sometimes can be known in these streets as Mr. Steal Your Girl, and you don't want him <laughs> to be around your, your lady. I get it. <laughs> is that what I'm known as? That's uh, what I've heard. <laughs> That's what Bachman says around the water cooler. Uh, anyway, you didn't even sit in the press box the other night, Casey. I didn't. Sitting with the everyman? You went and kept uh, kept Amanda company. I'm surprised you had room up there because I'll tell you, that part of the stadium was filled on uh, Friday night. How like cool section, is that? We're in Section 203, so like 203, 205, 206, like just outside the club range. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. We're talking about uh, up and down, probably two, four, six, eight. I would say ten complete sections, not a lot of empty seats, and you found one, Casey. Yeah, your whole row was empty, ironically. Literally the only <laughs> empty row in the whole entire section was yours, so that worked out well. All right, I wonder what or who our neighbors are going to be this year in the seats because I usually <laughs> come down for the second quarter. 
uh, during the, you know, during the, the regular season when I'm not on the sideline. You ever have uh, see neighbors in the stands who you, you're like, oh, great, this is going to be a long season? Uh, yeah, I think we've had pretty good luck. We love the folks in Section 203. And, again, I'm not with them for four quarters, so maybe that's a blessing. I don't even know. <laughs> maybe maybe you're the guy. Maybe they would be saying it, but you're in the box maybe. the whole time. Yeah, but you do see some fluctuation, uh, you know, the fo- but then there are some – some of the, the mainstays, which we like. It's our home now up there in 203. By the way, Casey, not bad seats over there, right? Pretty good. Well, you're really talkinative today. <laughs> Casey, busy? I mean, what the hell? I am Way to bring you into the program. He's, yeah, like, geez, oh, man. He's doing a little thing. He's doing a little bit. Trying to sell tickets here, Casey. Section 203 is a good spot. <laughs> Tell them. You don't need to sell tickets. I just told you everything was full. I'm oh, sure a lot man. of those people were season ticket holders. Now, you, no one wants to sit next to you, apparently, because apparently. the seats next to Brent are open. So if you want to sit next to Brent, please get them. 203, really tell them the room. They don't like Steph. I mean, Steph that's <laughs> by the way, Steph's my favorite of you, too. So, yeah. You know, uh, me too. That's easy. And I mean, you're not you there. You're not there most of the time. So I think it's a win-win if people get to sit next to Steph and Ty, who, by the way, was very talkative. I was surprised. Yeah, just and watch Caleb. out. He'll talk your ear off. Well, we had some good conversations. We talked oh, about really? Tatis. We talked about Zach Wilson. We talked nice. about the game. We talked oh. about you. It was great. There was big Tatis stuff. Oh my gosh! Yeah, going on that night. There was. It was breaking like, at the moment. Yeah, it was hard for me to follow it all. And maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. By the way, did you ask him how much of a helicopter parent I am? <laughs> You gotta, you gotta put it to bed. No, I, I didn't. But I actually did bring up at one point one of the guys on the Browns, uh, Isaac Rochelle, got a sack, and he's big on TikTok. So I said to Ty, "That's the guy that's big on TikTok." And then Ty looked at me confused, and I was like, "Ah, that's right. Yeah, no social media. Never mind." <laughs> <laughs> Just move on. Ty was like, "What is TikTok? What is he was. TikTok?" He was very confused. <laughs> I love it. You should have asked if I'm a helicopter parent for them. That would have been good. But I didn't Although, get to talk I, to Kaylee much. She was on the other side of Steph, so I, I know what her answer would have been. She, she was just chilling. She would not that happy to be there probably she was like all right fine i'll come but they only went for a half so it was good and we saw some good stuff that's the moral of the story here is uh that was kind of fun i put this uh poll out there on saturday i think i said the jacks got dominated for the last 40 minutes of that game dominated and so the headline is jags lose right 24 13 well, not if you really know what you're talking about. That's not really the headline because I said, hey, who feels better about their football team, Cleveland or Jacksonville? And I think it was like, had like 600 votes, and 95% <laughs> said Jacksonville. <laughs> of course, now, I mean, most of the people following me are, are Jacksonville. Audience, yeah. But it's not, but my point is, like, you know, usually you have negativity and fan base is still, yeah, but we lost or our depth sucks or all this. And they're like, we feel way better than we having Deshaun Watson and the rest of that group the way they looked mm. over there, and their starting center goes down on, like, the first snap. I mean, that was a miserable night for Cleveland Browns fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, one of my best friends who I hung out with on Sunday is a big Brownie fan, and uh, he was not happy. Yeah, he shouldn't be happy. I mean, of course, I got a, couple, a lot of folks up in Ohio where I went to school, and uh, they aren't happy, and they shouldn't be. I mean, Deshaun looked rusty as we thought he would. He had a couple drops, too. Um, but the whole thing looked out of sync. Meanwhile, on the other side, my big takeaway for the Jags is they looked – people keep throwing around competent. I think that's a little overdone. I mean, they're an NFL team. At times they've been competent even over the years, just not long enough. But I think organization was the word that stuck out to me. And they looked like they were on the details, and they didn't know how to line up, and procedurally they were good, and they executed some plays. Hey, they misfired on some plays too. Uh, the second pass from Trevor was high. Uh, that was just one example. But they looked organized. And to me, that's a hat tip to Doug Peterson and the staff. 
and attention to detail and all those things. That has not looked the case. It didn't look the case last year. It was a mess in that category. And it hasn't really looked the case at times over the last really 15 years where it's looked unorganized and what some people would call incompetent. They looked uh, that first team, uh, you know, I think they can look better, but I don't know what else we could have asked for them. They come out, they throw a, <laughs> a long pass right down the, the sideline on a double move to Zay Jones. Boom. Then the next thing is like, well, not right after, but shortly after, ETN breaks one for about 12 yards. You're like, okay, get him off the field. We're good, right? I mean, that's the way he felt. Then sooner or later, they get in the end zone. Uh, they get 13 points out of, out of that unit or in 25 plays. And defense plays well. I mean, just so much to like, guys, uh, that we could be talking about something different here on Monday. And it's kind of nice to talk about, hey, that looked pretty good. Now let's see if they can build on it on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you wanted to go down there and see momentum, and it feels like that's kind of what you got when you saw that. Well, I think the bigger thing is I feel like I saw what I've been seeing in practice, and we've been to most practices, and what you've been seeing is Trevor Lawrence looks pretty sharp. Yeah. Now, the offense doesn't always look sharp. In fact, it did translate a little bit to their red zone and not being able to get in the end. We've seen a little bit of that at practice, but... Trevor has looked like he's thrown the ball really well. And I thought Trevor looked good. Again, he had some misfires. He could have done some things better. But overall, uh, used his legs on the play, threw it downfield, uh, looked sharp throwing the ball, looked command of the offense. So I think what we've been seeing in practice did translate. And I think the thing that really translated was the defense. I mean, the defense has looked good at practice. They're flying around, and they look the part. Now, when you say that at practice, you're like, okay, is that because it's against this offense? Do we know? Well, they did it against another team and looked a lot better than the week prior. you got to figure the Fadakasi and Aluakin and, and Josh Allen. Yeah, those will additions, make changes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that will make a difference, right? And now, listen, it wasn't Nick Chubb. and uh, So you, you got what you got, but it looked pretty good, and it was dominant. And it doesn't mean they're going to the Super Bowl, but uh, I'm really more impressed with this defense, what Mike Caldwell's doing, the, the assembled characters that they have on that side of the football. And I think this defense is going to be pretty fun to watch this year. It won't make them perfect, but I think they're going to be pretty fun to watch. So I would just say organizationally they look good. Uh, they look like a well-coached team so far, and they're getting the message from their coaches. And also to translate practice field to game field is always a big deal in any sport. And uh, they were able to do it. So, hey, not over the moon, Aaron. I know uh, y y we've seen too much of it in the past to be over the moon about anything but uh, certainly can have a positive tone around here for a couple of days, and I think that's okay. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, we were talking a little bit last week about depth, how it's an issue in certain parts of that roster. You oh, got TZ yeah. in the uh, chat asking about it. Depth is an issue. Any thoughts on what you saw out there as it pertains to the offensive side of the ball with depth? Uh, I think the I, – I tweeted this to someone um, who mentioned it, and I said, to me, the lack of – first of all, yes, the Jags have a lack of depth. Jazz got – worked against the Raiders with most of that depth and again against Cleveland. Is this a bigger problem than we thought it was going to be or is this about what we thought we were going into this season that we're a growing young team and the depth wasn't there yet we're still working on talent at these positions. Well I think the I, for me it's logical okay and here's what I say probably said this a bit last week but I'm, I'm going to repeat it because I think it got hammered home uh, Friday night when you saw the last 40 minutes of that game and the Jags just aren't good enough. You never put all 22 of your second-teamers out there. Hmm. Okay? Like, that never happens. 
except in the preseason. Yeah. So, you know, if you lose three guys off your offense and three guys off your defense, do I think it's going to look like that? That it looked like the final 40 minutes or looked like against the Raiders just because you're throwing a couple of backups in? No. But that might have to happen during the course of the year. You have to build some depth to be able to plug and play. And those guys got to step up. But usually, even a player that's average will play better with better teammates around him than he will with all average teammates around him. Oh, yeah. You know? So I think we have to remind ourselves we only see this in the preseason where you're judging like the back 20 part of the roster or back 40 part of the roster all at the same time. And so, yes, it doesn't look good. But I think there's a very logical reason for this. The Jets, like you just said, they got to catch up with the league. They've won four games over two years. They have been void of enough talent. Yeah, they really. And so they need front-line talent. They need the top 25 to catch up with the league. The rest of the league, like the Browns, who have built some of that top 25 talent, they can now work on 25 to 35 or 35 to 43. You know what I mean? So they just should be ahead. It, it makes a lot of common sense that the Jags actually should struggle in the second half of the games of the preseason because, quite frankly, they should not be as good as those other teams. Now, it wouldn't be bad if Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson found, like, some studs in undrafted free agency and, wow, look at this group, too. They're able to – but it's just unrealistic. Yeah, I, I just yeah, think yeah. people are wor- working on different stages of their builds. I know people love that around here. And <laughs> and, and the Jags are really in the elementary stages of it over these last couple of seasons while other teams are further ahead. And that's why I continue to ask the question overall. The Jags are a lot better in my estimation. But – did they close the gap on the league, who already was three steps ahead of them? And you know, got better in the offseason, especially in the AFC. And yeah, especially and added frontline talent, and then also through the draft. See, they added their frontline talent. Let's just take a team like the Raiders two weeks ago. They added frontline talent with Devontae Adams and, and Chandler Jones. And then they probably, in the draft, worked on their, their back-end talent to beef it up from a special team standpoint, from a third, fourth running back standpoint, from a fifth uh, linebacker standpoint, from a fourth, fifth, sixth cornerback standpoint. Like the Jags, yeah, you want to try to do all that, but you can't do all that in a matter of a year. And sometimes you can't do all that in two, three years. It takes a while to build some of that depth. And so I think it's very logical that the Jags kind of look the way they do in the second half and, and the Browns come back and beat them up. Now, I will say this. Uh, What's his, who was the, who's the 23 for the Browns? He got beat by Zay Jones, but then he has the pick six, and now his name is Gason. Wilkerson, is it? Um, why does Wilkerson stand up in my mind? That's not it, though. But anyway, that was a heck of a play he made on the pick six. Like, he just made a good play. Emerson, Emerson Jr. Emerson, yeah, thanks. Uh, they're high on him, too. But he, he just made a really good play. He just ripped the ball away from, I think it was Cotton. And uh, Bethard, like, I don't know if it was a bad throw or anything. I don't think any of that really as much as that guy just really made a play. Yeah. So sometimes that happens as well. Um, but anyway, I, I wouldn't get caught up in the scoreboard because we've said this countless times, and we know this. We're trained enough to know this. We're smart enough to know this, that the scoreboard in the preseason doesn't matter to the point where, oh, that means we're going to do this in the regular season. But also, we can't get crazy about the Jags looking pretty good in the first quarter. It's just alternative, as I always say. Like, we could be sitting here being like, oh, my goodness. Should we start to wonder about Trevor? Be like, oh, my man. goodness. They yeah. couldn't line up, you know? Uh, oh, my goodness. Like, uh, Trayvon Walker's not. No, Trayvon Walker's now made four plays in, like, 20 snaps in the preseason. That's a good sign. Yeah, that's great. 
And and on that fumble, he was right there. Like I thought he was the one that forced the fumble. So great sign out of out of uh, Trayvon Walker. Really good out of Trevor Lawrence. Heck of a sign out of Zay Jones. To me, he was the most impressive player on the field. Zay Jones on Friday. Okay. Be- because we don't talk about him, and I don't know what to expect from him. Quite honestly, in the offseason, I don't really know why they signed him to a three-year, $24 million deal. I mean, clearly they saw the potential that he could be their number two guy, number two wide receiver, number three target, yeah. So, I mean, did did he impress you? I mean, they moved him all over the place. If there was one guy that was open, it was him. And now I start to thinking uh, a little bit, start thinking a list. Okay, what happens when they put Christian Kirk out here? Like, does that make Zay Jones that much better? Uh, Does Christian Kirk do some of those things? I don't know. I thought they, they looked in a pretty good rhythm from a play-calling standpoint, being able to utilize guys in different ways. And I saw number seven open probably more than anybody else and making plays uh, more than anyone else. In fact, he would have had a massive day if he catches the second one. Again, I think that was on Trevor. He sailed that. Um, that's a really good sign. Because we're not – of all the people we're talking about, Zay Jones, we throw his name in the mix. But I don't think anybody's like, wow, what if Zay Jones does really Yeah, well? we're not really focused on him because you still have – because you have so many question marks in the guys who are supposed to be delivering, like a Christian Kirk, like an Evan Ingram, like Robinson and ATN, and based on you know their recoveries. So I think it's hard to look at a guy like Zay Jones, who even without injury is like, you still don't know what you got. And you're already down that list of whether it be targets or just guys in general that Trevor will go to on his progressions. But I, I it just felt to me like the offense was moving in a way that we haven't seen it a little bit. Maybe Maybe it was a confidence thing. Maybe it was a momentum thing. But... I mean, Trevor certainly looks way more comfortable back there, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, and the offensive line did a pretty nice job, by the way, to your point. We didn't notice him, and that's a very good thing. Um, I don't even know how to grade out, like, the, uh, you know, Jawan Taylor and Walker Little. They played deep into the game, but, like, I didn't see anything glaring from either guy from the vantage point I had. Uh, so we'll have to see kind of what the coaches say about that, and that's a good thing. Even from a penalty standpoint, the offense first team into that second quarter looked good. Casey, Zay Jones, you buying him? Yeah, I mean, he was open all night. So, yeah, I mean, I'm with it. I think LaVisca's in trouble. Yeah, I mean, LaVisca might have been in trouble anyway. Because I think he's really in trouble Yeah, he's really in trouble, yeah. But based off performance, you're right. In fact, I haven't what I think is an interesting observation about the receiving core. That in 15 years covering the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't know if I've run into this before. That's a hell of a tease. <laughs> That's what we got coming back. All right. We're live at TIA Bank Field. We got to get Casey Moore in this show. Kick him in the butt a little bit, Aaron. I told him there was it's free a pizza. Monday. Free pizza usually lights him up. Man, My goodness. Get him a Celsius or something. <laughs> we'll be back on ESPN 690. Sure, you know, I think um, that's one of the things that, you know, I think I do well. It's getting, getting on the move outside of the pocket, making plays, extending plays, but also, you know, design, naked boots, whatever you want to call them. Um, I think that's something that I do well and that all of us do well, the receivers up front, um, tight ends, all those guys. So I think it's something that we're going to keep building off of. Trevor on the run, baby, looks good. We noticed that last year, too. But I like it. Trevor on the move. I think that's something people really have to game plan because you can tell he's comfortable. You can tell they're going to do it. And 
it's going to be an advantage, an asset for him as a quarterback. And that's one of the reasons he's this big-time prospect because he's not just the prototypical thrower and can make every throw. And you hear that all the time. He can make every throw, but he can move. I keep asking myself in my head, like, comparing Trevor body-wise, size and scope, to another player we've seen over the years, a guy who can sit in the pocket and throw it downfield but also can get out in a hurry. But he's bigger than a lot of the scramblers, you know? He's He's a taller guy than those guys. Yeah, he is not, he doesn't, you would never look at Trevor Lawrence and be like, oh man, that guy's going to run all over you. Right. You know, you just, he's not that. He's not from, like Kyler Moore, you look at him like, man, that guy's probably going to be fast and can move and he's a jitterbug, all that stuff, right? I mean, that they, that's what happens. Like, uh, you have quarterbacks that, I mean, oh, Mitch, you didn't feel, I mean, go back all the way to Doug Flutie. That's what we felt about Doug Flutie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> when he played. It's like, so you label, run, oh, of course, Quarterbacks get labeled all the time now, and some to a fault to the ability to run. But it's really their mobility that helps you escape pressure or does let you line up something on the run and move the pocket that helps the offensive line, makes it more difficult, tiring for the defensive front. But can you then complete the throws? And that's the big story, and that's the big if. And, well, he does it brilliantly. Uh, I said yet last week I saw him. Uh, was it in a practice or was it, I think, against the Raiders? When he was on the move, you could just see him, like, square his shoulders. And, I, again, I'm not a quarterback guru, but I could see him, like, he was rolling to his left, and he started to square his shoulders to throw downfield, and then actually he checked off it and went, uh, like, a short pass to his left. But just like the mo- like I could pick it up, I could see it, and, and I don't look for that stuff. But I think that was a showcase of fundamentally how good he is. Because I think that a lot of quarterbacks on the run, as they're moving to their left and their right-handed quarterback, will try to throw even off balance. But it's but he had, like, the fundamental savvy to square his shoulders up if he was going to make that throw. And, and I think that's a big part of it because, I mean, you would have heard, let's just say he threw it, he threw it over somebody or threw a pick. You would probably hear coaches say, yeah, he's got to square his shoulders up or something like that. And I think he's already got a lot of those tools. And, and once in a while they kind of show up. Uh, the other thing is when he does run, like on the read option play, like he chews up so much yards. <laughs> With his strides. He's a big dude. He's got big legs, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it doesn't look fast. But every time he steps, he's He's clipping off four yards at a time. Covering ground, yeah. You know? So, but again, I forget about the run part. He's going to run. He's going to pick up a few hundred yards running the football. He's a weapon. That's an it's an advantage for the Jags to be able to use him in that sense. Like Bortles. Like Bortles was good. I know, don't uh, don't hurt me for saying <laughs> Trevor Bortles. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clip that right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I know fans don't like that, but Bortles was very good at that. Like he was very good at being able to pick up yardage with his legs, but he didn't look like this crazy good athlete, you know? Um, he was just able to get it done and pick the right times. I thought that was a, a plus thing. Uh, for Blake, you know, this is just part of the game uh, for Trevor, and one that I think they, you know, we even said it in the broadcast that they want to exploit more of here in year number two. They want him using those legs a little bit more, uh, that RPO stuff. So uh, look for it a little bit more. I did like that, guys. That there was an aggressive nature about Peterson. Like this matters. We're going to force the issue. They go double move on play one, and then they go like option read a couple plays later to pick up chunks 
And I was like, oh, that's good. See, he's going after. He's not just being vanilla, vanilla, vanilla. They're like, no, let's go have some success. Let's go build some success. Let's go be aggressive, be confident. And I like that. And I thought it paid off for them to do that. And, and they also didn't, like, unveil the whole playbook. Yeah. So, but like, I, you, I thought it was a good balance. If you may not be seeing all the plays, but do you think this is going to be part and parcel of how Peterson runs the offense in terms of tempo? I think people, yeah, I think people that really look at like how an offense is run would say that coming out of the game, like he started to show signs of what he does. You know, I think there were definitely some of those ingredients in there without, again, displaying the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, especially with a guy like, I don't think they really showed much about how they're going to use ETN, although he was catching the ball out of the backfield a couple times, um, dropped the one, and then had a nice catch uh, along the sideline. So, yeah, I think, I don't think there's a lot of secrets with Doug. I think it's more how they're going to use their weapons. Like, Zay Jones, a lot of people would have classified him as just, like, an outside receiver. They moved the ball around the other night. Yeah, I, I think, think Christian would, Kirk's going to be moved around. I more think they're moving everybody slot. around. I think they're going to at least four or five of those guys going to be outside, slot, backfield. I think that we're going to see a lot of that this season. Yeah, and I think he's got the – it's got to be fun for – a play caller, especially when you know you're pretty good at it, and he does, and I think he's got a confidence and a swagger to how he calls plays. But it's got to be fun to be able to have the versatility. And I've said this countless times before, but now that everybody's paying attention a little more, I think it's worth repeating. The Jags have multiple players on their offense, when healthy, that people have to game plan for. You have to game plan for James Robinson, the ground-and-pound style. Be physical. You have to game plan for ETN. Heck, we still don't know what they're going to do with Christian Kirk can move around, but he's probably going to be in the slot and very effective there. LaVisca Chenault, if they choose to use him, he can do a multitude of things, including line up in the backfield. I think Zay Jones just proved it the other day, and then you add in Evan Ingram that can really move all over the place. And so there's a lot of ways to go and a lot of things to consider when you defend the Jaguars. And then I always say, and don't forget about Trevor, because Trevor can roll out. And Trevor can do the read option like you saw the other day. So he can beat you in multiple ways. Oh, by the way, he can make every throw in the NFL that you need to make. So, I, I mean, I really think for Doug, you know, in that office down there, as he's drawing this stuff up late at night or early in the morning, it's got to be going through his mind like, hey, we could have some fun with this thing. you got to execute it, but we, got, we could have some fun. And I think for the first time that I can remember covering the Jags, they – Teams are going to have to game plan in more than one way. Since I've covered the Jags, the J people have had to game plan against the run. And that's it. And that's okay, by the way. Like, the run's important, and we've had some good ones. I caught the tail end of Fred Taylor and Maurice Jones-Drew, then transitioned into Maurice Jones-Drew, and even Leonard Fournette. People had to game plan for him. But did they really ever have to game plan for anything dynamic in the passing game? No. Maybe Allen Robinson, when he had a good year, they started to mark him up and shade him a little bit. For a they, season, yeah. But outside of that, you really weren't concerned about the receivers because you really weren't concerned about the quarterback. Well, now you got a quarterback who can make every throw, and you got these guys that have some versatility in their game and have shown some stuff and have proven some things in the league. And so I think there's a... Again, I mean, this is the most dynamic on-paper offense I've seen in 15 years. For the Jacks. I don't know what that means come Sundays in a few weeks. But it's better to think about than the other ones. And that's a good sign. I like that part of it. Something else hit me. Uh, as you look at camp battles, where do you guys see, like, we've been talking about right tackle. Outside of right tackle, do you guys see anything else? That you're like, wow, I'm really wondering how this plays out. Hmm. 
I mean, they're pretty short. I mean, obviously they Kicker. have they have questions on the line, but those are all shored up. Kicker is, uh, have, has been a hot button all off season. Did you see anything that uh, lit you up about Kicker on Friday no, night? No, and then they just cut Elliot Fry, so now it's just Ryan. Well, Santoso. according according to Casey, Fry doesn't really exist. He's not a real person. <laughs> Casey, are you looking at anything on this team right now that's like, wow? I wonder how that position is going to play out, other than kicker and right tackle. I mean, who Any are they? Secondary questions? Obviously, maybe not a corner, but. Who are they going to cut at receiver? Because somebody's going to have to get cut. But, like, for people that are actually going to start, mm, no, not really. I mean, maybe interior of, like, the defensive line. I don't know. There's not much out there. Well, you just hit on what I wanted to talk about. Usually in camp, what happens, most camps, is that you have a few frontline receivers, and then your last two or three guys. You hope it's not free, but sometimes it is around here. Are kind of up for grabs. And then you have a guy that will show up and be like, hey, keep an eye on him. Keelan Cole comes to mind, right? Alan Hearns comes to mind. Those guys made the team as undrafted free agents. This time around, I told you to keep an eye on a guy like Juwan Winningham. I thought he played well in the spring, but he really hasn't done much since. Uh, and in, in the games, like, I'm not noticing him. Uh, Tim Jones has moved up the depth chart because of Agnew and LaVisca Chanel injury, so he's getting a little more PT. But... I look at the Jags receiving core, and I think they're going to keep six. I think. And you got Marvin Jones. He's a lock. You have Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. They're locks. You have LaVisca Chenault, who I think right now is a lock to make the team. The only other way he wouldn't make the team is if you traded them away. So he's a lock. And then, quite honestly, guys, I think Laquan Treadwell has worked himself into being a lock to make this team. He's a favorite target of, of Trevor. And he did good job last year. He got open again out here. It's Friday night. I think he's been an impressive guy and one you can count on. And he's got a skill set that obviously got him drafted in the first round a few years back. Just hasn't lived up to that. But I think he's settling into a decent role here in Jacksonville. And then there's Jamal Agnew, who you're keeping at the very least for special teams purposes. But you can throw a wrinkle in on offense with him, too. And he proved that last year. So for the first time since I've been here, I believe the receiving core is set, and I don't think there's anybody breaking through. I mentioned Winningham. I mentioned Tim Jones. I mean, Jones is okay, but not enough by, for me. Cotton Jr., I don't think so. He's been around for a couple of years, but not doing enough to be like, wow. He's you the know? one that got it taken from him, right? He, he was, yeah. yeah. And he's shown some things, but again, he might. a couple of these guys, by the way, no problem putting him on the practice squad. You know, the kid out of Notre Dame only had like four snaps. He's not doing enough. Austin. I mean, am I missing somebody? But the receiving core, it's set. And that is, like, unusual. That's where your undrafted free agents come from a lot of times. That's where that sneaky guy that really impresses and the fans fall in love with him in practice, and then you wonder if he can do it on Sundays. Like, that's where it comes from. It ain't happening. Like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I don't think there's any competition going on at the wide receiver spot for a roster spot. I think you can make a case like, hey, LaVisca's going to have to compete to try to get some reps. And can Laquan Treadwell get in there as well? And where does Jamal Agnew fit? But I think we know the six guys. And I don't think that's changing. I, I don't think – I haven't seen anything to make that change, which kind of is astonishing uh, because, quite frankly, I don't remember seeing it like that in the past. Well, you can make the case it's good, and you can make the case that it's bad. Good in that, you know, they know what they've got. There's no questions in the camp. Well, there's some questions, but not real questions in camp about that room, and, and, and you know the direction you're going in. But 
bad in the sense that you know what you got and you still don't have a, a, a bona fide number one unless Christian Kirk steps into that role this year. Well, and that's true. Uh, you, you don't have the dude. No, the guy. One of, one of those two. <laughs> you don't have the guy. But Christian Kirk's supposed to be the guy. And but you still what you're saying is you don't have that alpha, and that's okay. But you just uh, don't know yet, right? So well, like, I don't to, think be, you do. to be so settled, and, and then to still not know if you got it. You hope you got it. I, I don't think, by the way, even if Christian Kirk is really good, he's not the alpha like you think of, like the Julio Jones and AJ Greens and you name it. I guess he would fit more. What, what could, could he be more of like a Cooper Cup kind of alpha, Casey? Kirk? Yeah. Like, if he was, like, the guy, like, started to get 100 catches a year. But, you know, like, when we think of that guy, you think of, like, big body, down-the-field receivers, you know, going up and grabbing it and beating a, a defense. Like, he's not that kind of player. He's more, like, get open, get him, you know, like, move him around, all these. He can do a lot of different things. I, he's not, like, out jumping a guy for the ball, you know? Like, some of the, yeah. the alpha receivers in the league have done. Like, DeAndre Hopkins. Like, he'll wrestle you for the ball, and his hands will get it. Like, I don't know if I see Kirk that way, um, but maybe Cup is a better – like, Cup doesn't go up and, like, just outman a guy very often. No, but he can, like, yeah, very often. So, yeah, I mean, he could be. I don't know. Just judging by what I saw the other night, I think that Zay Jones is more that guy now. Like, Zay he, Jones is going to do everything. And, like, Zay Jones – Zay Jones was open on every play. He really So, was, like, we yeah. haven't seen Christian Kirk yet. Christian Kirk might also be getting open on every play. But, like, literally, Zay Jones was open more times than he even got the ball. So if he's going to do that, then maybe he plays that role. You keep Kirk. You, I mean, they're going to move around a bit, but then maybe Kirk's outside and just go deep. Like it, I don't know. Like, I really like what they're doing with Zay Jones. Yeah, I do too. And, and by the way, I think that role, I think he played that role, Casey, because Kirk was out. Could be, like, but when you see it work, are you like, well? Yeah, it shows your versatility and flexibility there. I like it. I, I'm just trying to get back to what, what Aaron was saying, and I don't think you're going to have this alpha male receiver. I just don't think that's how they built this. Do you really need it with a quarterback like Trevor? Well, not even that. Do you really need it with a coach like Peterson who wants to use guys in different ways? Go back to the, again, uh, you know, it was Alshon Jeffrey, right? On with the Eagles. Eagles yeah. That, that came up with some big plays, but they didn't have, like, this stud guy that went for 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns. They didn't do that. They utilized tight ends, and they utilized all their receivers and their backs. Yeah. Like, I don't think Doug Peterson builds it that way. I don't think he really feels like he needs it. And and I don't really think the Jags have, like, that dude that or that guy that, that they have to get the ball to, like, 12 times a game, which can be a good thing. When you have to force feed one guy to keep him happy, sometimes it's a negative. Well, sometimes it's not to keep him happy. It's because he's open every play, a la Cooper Cup. Yeah, Cooper Cup is, and hey, Zay Jones was open the other day, and I don't. I mean, listen, Marvin Jones is going to settle in, play a role here as well, and we haven't seen Christian Kirk yet. There was a lot to like, and Evan Ingram got in the end zone. I mean, uh, again, it's fun to look at this thing on paper, and especially when it looks like that out on the field, because a, a lot of fans haven't been able to see it on the practice field, but at times you've seen some of these things coming together a bit. Uh, we'll see what happens Saturday night. We'll take a break. We're live at the bank. Jazz got to practice here tonight. And we're here until 6 o'clock on ESPN 690. Hey, back to school for everyone. St. John's County, other counties last week. Duval County today. Good luck going back to school, kids. And how about a back-to-school special from iCryo down in St. John's County? 
Stay cool with iCryo for the 2022 school year. Here's what's going on. For the rest of August, you can get $22 lifestyle services at iCryo in St. John's County. The lifestyle service is the cryotherapy chamber. It's red light therapy. It's sauna. It's compression, among other things. And then... 22% off their Zen, Energize, and Brain Power IVs. That's for the rest of August for students and teachers. So go check them out at iCryo. You can call them today or you can book on their user friendly app. Elevate your lifestyle with iCryo at the Pavilion at Durban Park. And you might see the Martinos down at iCryo. Oh, if you uh, were at TIAA Bank Friday night, hopefully you saw. The Martinos, Casey Kurtz as well on a Friday evening, and a lot of your friends here at uh, the bank because it was a pretty good crowd for a Friday that watched a, a fun first 20 minutes, and after that it got a little, well, not so fun as the Jags lost to the Cleveland Browns uh, in the home opener of the preseason. They'll play again on Saturday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tonight the uh, Jags practice here inside the stadium, and then it's at Episcopal Wednesday, Thursday, and that's it for Episcopal. Like, camp is basically done. Officially, it doesn't break, like, out of the hotels and that kind of thing until next Tuesday. But even then, next week, the Jags will be up in Atlanta. So it's basically done this week, as, as you know it, uh, from a camp-style uh, standpoint. Hey, um, we've talked about yellow flies in the past. Aaron Schachter, what's, Casey Kirk. What's that, yellow flies? Like, you know what yellow flies are, aren't you? I, are, you are you talking a bug? What are we talking about yeah. here? Yeah, bug. I'm not sure. I don't spend a lot of time around yellow flies, Brent. Really? You, you have like, never been bitten by a yellow fly? Is it like a big horse fly? Is that all it is? Yeah, basically it is. Yeah. All right, I've seen them. Casey, you been bitten by one of those things? Yeah, your golf tournament. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was. See, you remember it. That's not a stinger. It's an actual bite? Yeah, it's a bite. They're just, I mean, and it, it, it hurts for a minute, then it itches. They look real nasty. I'm looking at them right now. Well, I've said this before, like, my wife, like, I think she could be r being robbed at gunpoint <laughs> and be more afraid of a yellow fly. <laughs> you know, my wife is in the same boat, like, <laughs> deathly phobia level afraid of insects in general. Like, she almost caused a car crash once when there was a spider in her car, like, swerving to get off the road and jump out of the car and scream for her life. So I, I, I can relate to your issues over there. So I'm not, like, I guess the yellow fly is a, it's, it's a blood type thing that oh, they like okay. more than others. Okay. Okay? I think that's what we've, we've learned in the past. Well, today, Steph and I go for a walk this morning. And usually you get the yellow flies in the evening uh, walks, but not the day. Well, first, so I get, like, this bug, like, flying around. And I just have to land on my nose, actually. But it felt very small, almost like a, I don't know, just whatever kind of bug. Like, it didn't. It wasn't like, oh, my gosh, it's a yellow fly on my nose type thing. Like a gnat. She's like, she's like, that's a yellow fly. I was like, nah, nah, it wasn't. I don't think it was a yellow fly. Well, a couple of um, moments later, we're walking, still walking, and all of a sudden, boom, oh, she oh, smacks oh. me on the back of the oh. neck. Oh. Boom, <laughs> smacks me again on the back of the neck. And then, boom, smacks me on my back. Yes. I'm like, what the hell? She's tired of your nonsense, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> if somebody's watching us walk... They just called the police for exactly, assault. Exactly, yes. Living out that Michelle Branch, Patrick Carney news over the weekend. Yeah, she's a little domestic like, abuse. 
She's like, I got him. She was so fired up that she got the yellow fly. Meanwhile, I'm like, the yellow fly wouldn't hurt as much as you smacking my neck a couple of times. By the way, how how brutal, how how machismo of Steph to go in barehanded on this thing. The yellow flies are no <laughs> small thing. I mean, it's unbelievable. I think this has got like, I don't understand this with Steph. Like she she wants murder on those things. Protecting you at all costs, though. Yeah, she was not protecting me. I, she, she was, <laughs> I think she, that was like a good excuse. She was doing a little sparring. But it really struck me. I was like, my gosh, if somebody's like out here walking out of their house right now, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, like from down the road, they can see Steph like smacking me on the... <laughs> More importantly, Brent, I'm very curious about this walk you take with your wife all the time. You take this every day? Is this like a daily walk for you guys? Uh, About daily. I mean, I wish it was. It doesn't it doesn't uh, – we try to do it as much as we can. I'll try to scoot home, like, after the sh early shows, and then we maybe get a half a loop in. There's a 2.2-mile loop, and there's a 4.4-mile loop. Well, because – It's not doubling the loop, by the way. It's a different loop. <laughs> because and, uh, because you're, you're talking numbers, it makes me think that you think it's about exercise. What does Steph think? Yeah, I think it's about exercise. Well, and I also stop um, about five different times, and I'll do 20 push-ups. Oh, wow. I'll do 30 seconds of planks, and I'll do 20 squats. Are you for real right now? Yeah. You're telling me you leave here, and you go home, and you go, come on, Steph, time for a walk, and while you're walking, you'll drop down and do push-ups? Yeah, so I got to get it in, man. I'm, I, what the I hell is going on? I drank a lot on? of beer this summer. Yeah. That I is mean, that's, slightly that's unbelievable to me. First of all, first of all, you're, you're a man of means, Brent. You can afford a membership to, like, Crunch Gym or something. You don't have to do this on the sidewalk well, I like somewhere. the fresh air, man. I like the fresh air. Man. Get it in. Yeah, got to get it in. But anyway, we try to. Like, the beauty, I always say it's the beauty of the pandemic, man. I walked, I did that, like, twice a day. Mm. The big loop. I mean, you're talking about eight miles of walking. So, like, that was good. I like to get my exercise in uh, a little more efficiently than that. Instead of doing it every day, wasting my time all the time with it. I'll do it, like, once or twice a year I'll get it in, and then I'll be done <laughs> I don't know what you're doing out there. Push-ups, planks, relay races, it's really bench not presses off the corner. Getting hit by my wife. Doing burpees? Yeah, taking a... No, no burpees. Wife's throwing haymakers at you? You're ducking and weaving? I honestly don't want to go to the gym because, like, I have to work too hard if I go to the gym. It sounds like you're working pretty hard on the street quarter, Brent. No, that's not hard. That's not bad. That's not bad. Well, you mic me but up. But you get a little sweat going. You mic me up after walking four miles. Tell me to do two push-ups and tell you how hard it is. Come on. You're an asthma attack in real time. Let's go. <laughs> when was the last time you had a workout? Like a gym workout? Yeah. Might have been college. Really? I mean, I was like a guy who went to play basketball three hours a day, seven days a week, but you wouldn't find me on a bench press or doing planks or anything like that. Wow. All right. Casey, when's your last workout in a gym? Probably college. Had a boy. Come on, we got to get this show in shape. <laughs> we got to get you. We got to get you the pot belly, the beer belly. Come on. At one time, it was Austin and me. I mean, we could kick anybody's ass in town on this Not show. Anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. I was also in college two years ago. Oh, oh no. stop with the excuses. Oh, that's not too bad. I really Listen, know. we can we'll still drink anyone under the table. <laughs> oh, there we go. We got that. I don't know about anyone. We'll be back on ESPN 690. <laughs> hey.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.